One of the questions I like to ask my guests is the moment to plug Jacob's business behind the moment to plug Jacob's business again. So you're an 18 year old high school teenager. You have family around you. There's these agents, there's business happening around you. And there's this big number being written on a piece of paper. Take us and take me and my audience into those seconds, those minutes, those days around you seeing that $7 million in that piece of paper and what it felt like and that emotion. And then, then, then what it felt like going to the bank. I'm serious with that check and saying, Hey, I'm Jacob. I want to, I want to deposit the check. Yeah. Well, I can remember when, when I first got drafted by the Tigers, we were pretty adamant that it was going to take some level of, of significant commitment from them to pass up. Uh, at the time I had a scholarship to North Carolina to play baseball and I can remember we got down to essentially 24 hours before the signing deadline. So there was a deadline where if you didn't, you know, come to an agreement at that point, I would go on and I would play college baseball at North Carolina. And they weren't really close to my number, but they were still offering a really significant number. I mean, a couple million bucks. And I remember going to bed the night before and my dad was like, look, they, you know, we came up with this number for a reason. It was logical. It was pragmatic. We feel like that's what your value is. If they're not going to meet it, we're going to turn down whatever else they offer. I've always trusted my dad, but look, this was a huge number that we were turning down millions of dollars. And I'm an 18 year old kid. Like I have a thousand yes. bucks in my bank life, account. Life changing money, right? Jacob, probably life changing money. Yeah. Um, so it, it was this wide range of emotions. And then ultimately when we ended up saying no, they came back and offered me a contract for millions of dollars more. So there's a whole nother story we can talk about in there about how you craft and create leverage in the story that you tell. And, when I did end up signing, you know, it changes everything and it changes nothing. And I actually wrote a little bit about this on social media, this concept that, look, I don't want to discount the value of money. Our world works on the dollar. It works on currency. My life changed when I signed that contract. There's no doubt about it. But on the flip side of that, I woke up the next day and, and honestly, I felt kind of the same. Like I didn't start playing baseball because I thought, man, this would be a great way for me to earn millions of dollars in the future. I started playing baseball because I love baseball. And frankly, what my aspirations were with money weren't some grandiose aspirations. Like I didn't have a, a private jet on my vision board saying like, oh man, I really want to get to this level so I can go fly in a private jet. I mean, frankly, when I signed, I think the most expensive thing I bought was a new computer. You mentioned value. And it's an interesting word, especially, you know, as I'm building this business and speaking with athletes about their own value, you and your dad had a number and you guys had arrived at that number. How did you arrive at that number? And how do you talk to guys today about arriving at your own value? Because I think when we look on our own mirror, Jacob, it's a common, you know, we all have our our own issues with, I think, imposter syndrome as we go through life from time to time. And then we look in the mirror and question our own value. So go back to that conversation with your dad when you're 18 and your dad's like, well, no, Jacob, you're not worth 7 million bucks. You're worth nine, yeah. 10 or 12. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, to start out the conversation for me in, in the situation I was in, the, the common theme we kept coming back to was that it really needs to be a life-changing money. So mm -hmm. that's a different number for everybody. So to kind of answer your second question mm -hmm. first, what I tell families today is like, it needs to be a life-changing sum of money. And that could be a completely different number for family one versus family two. 
And the, really the way that we came up with the number was I said, you know, after taxes, after agent fees, after all these things come out, because the reality is what you sign on that piece of paper is not what ends up in your bank account. Mm. After all those things come out, how much money would I be left with? And if I was left with that much money, how much money could I kind of spend in my normal day-to-day life if I never really made another big paycheck from baseball? Because although from a from an athlete point of view, from a confidence point of view, you're thinking as optimistically as possible. But from a, a planning standpoint and from a financial standpoint, you kind of have to plan as pessimistically as possible where you say, hey, look, this could be the last really significant dollar amount that I make. And I want to make sure that if this is all that I make, how do I still create a really positive outcome for myself and my family moving forward? Mm -hmm. Sport is an interesting thing, isn't it, Jacob, where us as fans, we see the money, we see the money the athletes are making. We're all chasing the championship. That's why we are fans because we want to see our team win. Yet sometimes we as fans question why athletes sign in certain places because those teams aren't going to win a championship that's when the business of the sport really comes to life, isn't it? That it's not always about winning the championship, is it, Jacob? Yeah, look, there's a ton of other factors in play. And I think it's really easy to see guys that are promoted on the front page of ESPN about mm -hmm. that they signed somewhere, they took a discount to, to win the championship. I mean, Otani signs a $700 million deal. And half the articles are talking about how, well, he deferred this money because he wanted to make sure that they had other players on the team. Now, look, when you are an elite, elite level athlete, you can do things like that. But the reality is 95 plus percent of guys that even guys that get to free agency in any sport and they get to sign that that significant contract, whatever it is, they're not in a position where they can say, like, I want to take a discount or I'm going to go to this city because, like, I'm just going to go all in on winning. And I know I'm going to take a 25 percent haircut if I do that that might be the one chance for them to earn the contract that pays them five, 10, 15, $20 million total. And they're thinking about it and saying much like you pointed out, Keith, like this could set up my family for generations. So there's a lot of other aspects that come into play for the large majority of athletes. Now, the ones that you see on the front page of ESPN, the Patrick Mahomes, the mm -hmm. Shohei Otani, the guys that are signing these massive hundreds of hundreds of millions of dollars of deals, Yes, money gets to a certain point where like, do you really need more of it? Like if you sign the $300 million deal versus a $310 million deal, your family's going to be fine either way. So I, I think it's a great point you make there. Jacob, do you like the direction pro sports is headed? It's it's become so corporate, so big money. We're probably not very far from our first $1 billion athlete. You know, I've spoken with some guys here on the show over the last couple of weeks where there's the you know, where there's the push where your son can be on TV. I watch my kid on TV on Flow Sports Hockey all the time. You got guys like like Jonathan Anastas launching Clash TV, which are these street basketball leagues. There's so much money at the top end. Do you like where sports is heading, Jacob? In one aspect, I do, because I like seeing athletes getting compensated for whatever their value is. And mm. ultimately, a lot of these guys are in the 0. 0.00001% mm. of whatever they're doing. And I love seeing them getting compensated for it. On the flip side of that, I, look, there's a there's a consequence to every decision that we make. There's a pro, there's a con to it. The pro is the athletes getting paid their value. The con is, the reality is you are going to see some of those prices when you go buy tickets at, a, at an NHL game. I mean, the Blues are here in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. and we went through a game here recently. And, I, and frankly, I was kind of surprised like of how expensive just even just basic tickets were. But the reality is like there's pros and cons to it. If the guy on the, on the ice is making – 
significantly more than he was making five years ago, somebody's paying for that. And ultimately, it's sometimes it's the it's the casual fan that wants to go to a game. So it, it, it's, it's an interesting conundrum that we're running into. But I do think a lot of the big money that you're seeing is from TV contracts and from guys really trying to maximize their value, not only on the field, but also off the field. It, it's, it really has changed from that perspective where you're seeing guys try to defer money as Otani has done to put more value you know, back into the team, isn't it? Do you think we get to a point one day, Jacob, where there's where the players are running the hen house instead of the owners? It sure feels like we're getting closer to that. I mean, when I looked at Otani's deal, I was almost surprised to, to think like, I wonder if they would have just thrown in some level of ownership to him. And I don't know how that all works with the collective bargaining agreement, but it is really interesting when you see, so he signed a contract for $700 million. And one of the really interesting context points that I came across was the Colorado Rockies uh, mm -hmm. main owner, I think his net worth is $700 million when he <laughs> bought the team. So it's really fascinating to think like Otani signed a contract for as much money as the guy that owns the Rockies is worth. Now, look, those taxes and all these things that will come out of Otani's deal, he's not going to get $700 million. But when you think about that in context, it's kind of interesting, you know, to, to think about the fact that these guys are getting ownership level money. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 